Matthew just put on his sweatshirt and he put it on backwards. It's a hoodie, so this hood was covering his face. It was the best looking sweatshirt. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> we ready, Dave? All right. Good morning, everybody. Glad that you are here. Uh, it might be a little sparse today, but who cares? You know, we all get to be together with the Lord. And uh, why don't you stand with me, if you would, as we go to the Lord in prayer to begin our service. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine. Lord, I thank you for the snow. I thank you that uh, most of the roads are pretty clear right now. And I praise you for the safety of these that are here. Lord, I'm sure there's those that are at home that... Uh, uh, don't feel comfortable traveling, and that's okay. I just pray that uh, as we meet together, even uh, through the Internet, as we uh, broadcast our services, that you would just bless us, Lord. I pray that your word, would, your word would speak to us, and it would challenge us so that we can make decisions to, that would be honoring to you. Lord, uh, we give you the praise and glory that is due your name, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start singing this morning, page 299, He Lives. Uh, you say, well, wait, 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 this is an Easter song. It's not Easter. Well, he's living whether it's Easter or not, right? He's still alive today, so let's lift up our voices as we sing. <clears throat> seated. And uh, I want to do something um, today. Yesterday was Daniel's birthday. That's right. So we're going to sing happy birthday to Daniel this morning. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. May the Lord richly bless you. Happy 
to you. Happy birthday, Daniel. All right. Um, let me give you a couple quick announcements. This uh, Friday is uh, Churchwide Bowling. Uh, it's going to be in Cannonsburg at the West Pike Bowl. And uh, that is not a, uh, a mistake in the bulletin. That is, we're only charging $6 per person. And uh, please come on out. We're going to meet there at 7 o'clock. Uh, that will be two hours of bowling and a couple slices of pizza per person and some drinks. Uh, so uh, uh, come on out have some fun. It will be a great time. Next Sunday, not next Sunday. Yeah, it is next Sunday. Wait a minute, what day is today? Today is the 21st. In two weeks. In two weeks uh, is our Carrion Fellowship Dinner um, following our AM worship service. And then um, the 5th through the 10th, that following weeks, uh, Steph and I are going to be out of town. I'm going to be going to another pastor's conference. And uh, just happened to be in Florida. She doesn't mind. She wants to go. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, so yeah, um, you can still reach me by cell phone uh, if you need me for anything. Um, and then also February 11th, that following Sunday, uh, we'll be here, but uh, um, I asked Harold to preach for me, and so he'll be speaking that day. Um, February 17th, uh, soup cook-off and bake-off, and then uh, March 16th, uh, Barb Solomon's memorial service. And once we know the time, we will let you know, um, and that's, that's some upcoming events. All right, uh, let's go ahead and sing uh, uh, the next song, page 240 in your hymnal, Fairest Lord Jesus, and we'll take up the offering during this song. Would you close, uh, not close our service? Would you ask God to bless the offering?
Amen. All right. Last song we're going to sing is in your bulletins or up on the screen. We're going to sing uh, uh, We Fall Down.
Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7, and then uh, also shortly thereafter we'll go to Exodus 23. Alright, uh, we are in our series, You in Five Years, and we're asking the question, who will I be in 2029? Who do I want to be by the time that half of a decade goes by? And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an old proverb that says, the, uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That, I think that ought to be encouraging to us. You know, when you look at what you want to do or what God is wanting you to do, um, and you may be thinking that, well, man, that's just overwhelming. There's no way I can do that. You, you know what? No matter how long the journey is, it starts the same way as any journey does, and that's with a single step. Uh, and then you just keep on stepping. Keep on walking. And, and, you know, it ought to give us pause as well because it's a two-edged sword. Um, depending on which direction you're facing, that's either a terrific thing or a terrible thing. You know, the same thing uh, is true in reverse, meaning if you take a single step in the wrong direction and you continue on for that thousand miles, now you'll be 2,000 miles from where you should be or where you want to be. Uh, you know, we, we get to where we want to be and we get to where we don't want to be the exact same way as that is just one step at a time, one day at a time. So today I've titled the message, um, you in, not you in five years, that's the title of the series. Uh, I've titled the, uh, today's message, Too Small uh, to Fail. And I want to talk about something small that adds up over time. So some brief history here on uh, Deuteronomy 7 and Exodus 23. Um, this, for some, most of you, this will, you know this already. For those of you that may not know, I'm just building you up, just encouraging you, uh, letting you know what's going on. Abraham was a guy in the Old Testament, him and his wife. Uh, they were really old and they were unable to have kids. Uh, and he was first called Abram, um, his, and that means exalted father, which is kind of funny. Exalted father has no kids. Uh, and then God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, uh, which means father of many. And at this time, he only had one son, which is, again, kind of fun. I think that God has a little bit of a sense of a humor in that. But um, God changed his name. <clears throat> However, impossible it seemed, as old as he was, because the Bible says he was 100 and his wife Sarah was 90 when they had uh, uh, the promised son of uh, Isaac. Um, and so, <clears throat> but even though it seemed totally impossible, which it really is in today, <laughs> it is impossible, um, but with God, there's nothing impossible. Abraham believed God on the spot, and the Bible says that God accounted, to him, accounted it to him as righteousness. Why? Because that's faith. Faith. Faith is so important. Faith is taking God at His Word. Faith is believing God no matter what happens. Faith is just trusting what God has said, uh, what He has said He is going to do, and that it's going to come to pass no matter what. We're saved through faith, the Bible talks about. Now, God did keep His promise to uh, Abraham. Abraham's family did become a great nation, um, really two great nations, uh, through his son Ishmael, which was not the way that God had planned it, and his son Isaac. Um, I, uh, Isaac's family it began to grow, uh, and they were 
uh, it became a, a, a huge group of people. And they moved down to Egypt during a famine. And while they were there, they grew phenomenally. And as they were growing, the, the Egyptian leadership, the, the Pharaoh, started to get nervous about this big group of people there. And so they made them slaves. And for 400 years, they were down in Egypt. And, and then God raised Moses to deliver them. And some have called Moses a kind of a, a type of Christ. You know, as Moses led them out of Egypt, we have the picture of us being led to salvation uh, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Moses led them across the, the Red Sea uh, on dry ground. And uh, that is kind of a picture of coming through the Red Sea is kind of like a picture of uh, uh, baptism. But that, that wasn't the end. You know, just because they came out of Egypt doesn't mean that they automatically get to enter into the promised land. Uh, many people mistake uh, that their faith in Christ is uh, kind of like fire insurance, if you would. You know, that, that's all they have to do is they get saved and that's all there is. But there's so much more. The, uh, that's not the end of your faith. That's not the end of your relationship with God. Uh, is just so you don't go to hell. That's just the beginning. God wants to use you. God wants to use your life. There is a calling on your life. There is potential inside of you. You are His mag- uh, a masterpiece. Tragically, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they weren't ready to go into the promised land. And that's a picture of so many people who are saved but are wasting their lives not living for the Lord. I mean, you're not going to go to hell, but you're just not doing anything for God along the way. You're not becoming more like Him. So Moses led them around the uh, the wilderness for 40 years out of Egypt. And then uh, Moses uh, passed on from the sea, and the next leader was Joshua. Joshua led them across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And in that, we have a picture of stepping into your calling. You know, the idea that when you tap into the Holy Spirit's power in your life and strength, uh, and the day-by-day abiding with Jesus and denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Him, making progress, learning more, becoming more, transformation, that's the heart of this series. So we're talking about Israel entering into all that God had for them. And what we're about to read is God giving them a little bit of a pep talk uh, before they get into the promise. Then, well, why do they need a pep talk? Because it wasn't going to be easy. And it's not going to be easy for you to become all that God wants you to be. It's easy to stay with your problems. Uh, um, It's easy to stay with your temper. It's easy to stay with your unhealthy habits. It's easy to stay lazy and argumentative and cantankerous and gossip and and to be critical. It's easy to, uh, to not do anything. And it's happening to so many of us that we call ourselves Christians today that we're just staying in our sins. Now... There were going to be nations that would try and keep the Israelites back from what, uh, 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 from them taking the promised land. And the Bible describes them as great and mighty nations. And it is exactly for that reason that Israel was scared to go up against them in, on the battlefield because they felt so small. And God knew that they would feel weak. He knew that they, would, uh, uh, that they thought that they were small and because they were small they were going to fail. You all ever feel like that? You're just too small. There's no, nothing you can do on your own. God wanted them to understand it because they were small and they were so small that they were going to have to depend on God. And when God is with you, it's, you know, you're too small to fail. In His strength, in your weakness, there's a perfect combination for doing what you were called to do. 
So, Deuteronomy chapter 7, that's where we are right now, kind of the, 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 the back uh, story. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 17 is where we're going to start reading. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well that the Lord your God, what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. God is telling them, don't look uh, to your own limitations. Don't look to your opposition. Uh, look at the Lord and remember all that He has already done for you. And I think that's why these, these pivotal moments, you know, any great thing that God has done for you, you have to bring those back to your mind when you're going through present day difficulties. It's why David talked about the bear and the lion that he had killed when he was about to go up against Goliath. Whenever you face something difficult, just remember how God was faithful to you in times past when you went through something else that was difficult. Remember that God is with you. Remember what He did in the Red Sea. Remember how He smote the Egyptian army. Remember that He is God, that He is control. Remember the Lord. Verse 21. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. What is he saying? It's going to be little by little. That's not what they wanted to hear. I mean, he had made the promise that he was going to send fear into the hearts of those that they were about to fight before they got there. You know, so that they go up against, you know, uh, this huge scary army and, and God says, hey, I'm going to send my fear into them. And they're going to be, you know, yeah, they're big and they're bad and, they're, and you feel like you're about to die, but don't worry, I'm sending them my fear. And so he promised that it wasn't going to happen all at once. It was going to happen incrementally. Now, flip over to Exodus 23. Same account, but we're going to get one little extra thing that's not uh, in the first one. Uh, that, that first passage that we read. Exodus 23, verse number 29. God is speaking. He says, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit this land. I'm sorry, the land. So, so God was saying, hey guys, I got this. You need to trust me. Don't be scared. Uh, I got all the power in, my, in the universe and I'm not gonna, but I'm not going to use all my power at once. You know? I, I'm just going to meter it out little by little, itty bitty drops at a time, just as you fight each battle. Now, why in the world would God not do it all at once? Why wouldn't he do that? I got two reasons for you, okay? Why God wouldn't do it all at once. The first one is because, well, think about it. Why would you need to continue in prayer if God did it all at once? Okay? Uh, if He just scared them all to death and they all went running away trembling, uh, why would they ever need to pray again? Why, why would you ever need to pray again if God gave you all the uh, answers that you would ever need? Why does God lead us one step at a time? So that we would rely on Him. 
Why does He give us one day's worth of strength at a time? Why does He tell us sufficient for today is, is its troubles? Why does He say that we should uh, pray, God, give us this day our daily bread? Why can't He have a bread truck come and uh, you know, just dump a bunch of loaves on us uh, that He got at Costco to take care of you? Because those things are perishable. Now, power, His power, let me just say that again. Power is perishable. And it lasts a little bit of time. Now, I'm not saying that God's power is perishable. It, uh, what I am saying is that you can't rely on today's quiet, month, quiet time to last you all month long. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? A, a year from now, you can't be talking about how you trusted God you know, today, but you didn't do anything else. You didn't, you, you didn't do any other times of stepping out on faith, believing that God, you know, you say, well, I'm just going to rely on that. No. Um, we, we need Him every single day. We've got to keep our walk with God in the present tense. We've got to trust and believe Him in every day. Every day. He's going to allow things to happen that seem like they're totally out of control. And He'll give us the power just as he, we need it. Not a moment sooner. Not a moment later either. But there's a second reason. He said, I, I won't drive out all the enemies who are currently living in where you're, where you're going to be living. Because if I drove them out now, He says, you're not big enough. You're not, you don't have enough people to populate those areas. And what he is saying is that if he doesn't want them to bite off more than they can chew. Right now, there, uh, there are other people living in those cities. I mean, they're mowing their lawns. They're the vehicles that, that, that they'll, the Israelites will eventually get to drive. But God promised them that He would bring them into places and to live into houses that they didn't build and eat from fields that they didn't plant. But if God drove out all the people all at once... They weren't ready to go live in these towns. And he says that the wild beasts would come in and they would overtake the area. And they would be too numerous for you. Everything would get all decrepit. The vines would grow up. The vehicles wouldn't start. And it would be complete chaos. When they, when they go to move in, it would be more difficult for them to drive out all the wild animals. I mean, there would be a grizzly bear living in the house. Do you know how hard it would be to get out a grizzly bear out of your house? I don't know, but I'm sure it would be very difficult to do. So he's saying, I, I, I'm not doing it all at once because one, you're not going to rely on me if I did it all at once. And two, you're not numerous enough right now to take everything. So let me, let me under, hopefully help you understand this. You have to maintain whatever you obtain. You have to maintain whatever you obtain. It's kind of like uh, when, when Katie decided she wanted to take over uh, our, our uh, old Subaru. And uh, she wanted that car to be hers. And we said, all right, that's fine. Just remember, you got to put in the gas. you got to pay for the oil changes. And if anything, you know, well, early on, when if anything big broke, we took care of. But now that she's got a big girl job, says, you're in charge of it. you got to take care of it. I remember the first time she had to get the oil changed. She's like, Dad, do you know how much they're charging for an oil change? I'm like, yeah, that's why we said you're doing it. You know, <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. You, if you're going to obtain something, you have to maintain it. If you don't maintain it, it's going to break apart on you, right? 
We, we think we can afford something until you realize that the little things that, that it takes for its upkeep, you'll have to maintain whatever you obtain or you're going to ruin it. God is saying, guys, I'm not going to give it to you before you're ready. Uh, before you're ready to maintain it. It's, it's all right. It all happened in the right time. Just trust me. Little by little, it's gradual. See, the words that God spoke to them apply to us today as we look to the future. The words are little by little. And my message for you this, this, uh, um, in one sentence would be this. Victory isn't a huge thing. It's small things continually repeated. Victory isn't a huge thing. It's one and done. Bam. Hey, hey, we're undefeated. Great. It's a small thing that's continually repeated. Uh, that's my whole message. So uh, I guess we're, we're done. You guys can go. No, I'm just kidding. I got more for you. Victory isn't one huge, epic, wow, roar, fire, whatever. It's a small thing, continually repeated. One city at a time. One battle at a time. What, uh, what have you... What about after we fought the Hivites? I'm sure they're asking God. He says, all right, great. Now you've got the Girgashites. Okay, cool. No, what about after the Girgashites? Well, now you've got the Jebusites and all the other ites. And I mean, there's a bunch of, there was a bunch of them in there. And they had to just keep going. They had to keep going. And, and then there was the hill country. And then there were the cities. And then there was the fortified embankments. And there were battles stretching on. And God says, it's not going to be done in a year. And if you, if you go into the book of Joshua and you read how long it actually took, it took about seven years for the major battles to take place. And then there were some mop-up operations uh, that would follow. So it was meant to be this continually repeated thing happening again and again and again, little by little. So I think maybe we need to rethink what it's going to take for us to get to the goals that God has given to us. What do you want to be in five years from now? Oh, I'd love to be fluent in another language, or I, I want to. Uh, um, <clears throat> I want this new thing that I, I want to be doing in my life. Whatever it is, I think we need to really make the steps that we're that are going to get us there. I th- let me say that again. I think we need to make the steps that are going to get us there smaller. If we're ever going to get there, our steps need to be small enough that they're sustainable. That's why we're talking about too small to fail, okay? Uh, there's a book out there by a guy by the name of Stephen Guise uh, called Mini Habits. And he talks about the concept that our habits ought to be so small, uh, they ought to be too small to fail. That's where I stole the title from. Um, so uh, the, the steps that it's going to take to get to 1,000 miles need to be small enough that we'll actually do them. Most of us, it's not that we're dreaming too much or planning too much, hoping for too much, inspiring too much. Uh, For most of us, we make these big plans, these big hopes and dreams, and there's no way that we can possibly do them or keep them up for a year, much less still be doing them five years from now. You should make your goals, now this is not my words, this are his words, you should make your goals stupidly small. He said this, he'd come to this by, he had this epiphany. He was trying to talk himself to go to the gym for 30 minutes. And he was sitting on the couch, just couldn't get himself to go to the gym to work out for 30 minutes. And so um, he said, instead I challenged myself. I'm not going to go to the gym for 30 minutes to work out. I really don't want to. So what if I just do a push-up? 
And so he gets down on the floor and he did one push-up. And it felt good. It felt good because he accomplished one thing. And he realized that he was on to something. He's like, don't try to do 100 push-ups in a day, every day for the next five years, because you probably won't get past the first day. Well, you may. You get to the second day and then your arms are going to be like, I can't move them because I just did 100 push-ups. Unless you're fit, okay? I'm not one. My arms would be like jelly. Uh, I wouldn't be able to move them. But he's like, don't do that. Don't have this great big goal. Instead, just do one. One push-up. One push-up before you go to bed. I mean, that's so stupidly small, it's almost embarrassing that you don't do it, right? Instead of 100 push-ups, do one. Why? Because it's easier to do it than not do it because it's so bite-sized. It's accessible. You, you, you think, I, I can't, I, I can obviously muster the stamina to get down on the ground next to my bed and what's it going to take? Two seconds to do a push-up? If some of you are struggling, maybe five, ten seconds to do a push-up? All right. Uh, you do it. And then you think, well, wait a minute. I'm already down here. It's going to take more energy to get up. Might as well do a couple more push-ups while I'm down here. And so you go over and beyond your, your stupidly small goal. And then you feel even better about it. And he says that oftentimes what's going to happen is when you start doing your small thing, you're going to realize Newton's law is right. Remember we talked about Newton's law? An object at rest stays at rest. But once you get in motion, it's easier to stay in motion than to stop. So you do uh, more and you feel great. Why? Because you did more than you had to. You got yourself going by doing something small. Now I'm talking about physical fitness, but this applies to every aspect of our lives. Um, anybody ever in here ever heard of the Spartan Race? Some of y'all are shaking your head. Yeah, yeah I've heard of it. Some of y'all like, I have no idea. This is a really strange race, okay? I mean, they're doing some, they're like carrying logs and throwing logs, and they're doing all kinds of stuff through this race. And uh, the guy who started this up, uh, his name was Joe DeSena, uh, and he said that the hardest part of the Spartan Race isn't actually doing it, it's getting to the starting line. Determining that you're going to do it. And I think that's true of so many things. It's not actually doing it. It's just starting to do it. Let me just tell you, I hate this message. I hate it with a passion. And I, I know someone, I was talking with someone the other night and I mentioned I hate it when, they, when this happens. They're like, oh no, you're a Christian. You can't hate. Okay, fine. I strongly dislike. I detest it. Why do I hate it? Why do I detest it? Because it is showing me that I have such weak willpower. Such weakness to believe that I could do this. So many things that I am just giving up and being lazy. I, I'm that Newton's law. I'm just, it's easier just to sit here and do nothing. I think that may be why God has given me these messages to share with y'all because I need them more than y'all do. All right, let me give you some pointers on uh, how we put this into practice when God is speaking of little by little. By the way, that idea is all throughout the Bible, little by little, doing a little bit here. Because Jesus was talking about the mustard seed in Matthew 13. He says, another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it had grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Something little, 
Something too small to fail grew into a big old tree. It becomes something great. Why do so many people not get there? Because so many of us do what Zechariah says not to do, and that is to despise the small things. We do. We despise the small things. We look at one push-up and we say, well, there's no way that's going to help me. So what's the point? We look at what we're paying on our credit card to pay it down and we say, well, what's the point in all that? It's not even going to cover the interest that I'm going to incur this month. Month. We despise the small things, but if we keep persisting little by little, city by city, that eventually you get to somewhere great. We get discouraged because we want instant progress, but that's not how it works. We have to trust the process. Though we start little, we can end with much. So four words of caution as you begin to shrink your goals and approach all that God wants for you little by little. All right, these are going to pop up here real quick here. Four words of caution. The first one is choose carefully. Choose carefully. Why? Because not all goals are created equal. Some have a greater ability to transform your life than others. Researchers refer to um, this as uh, as keystone habits. That is to say there are some areas of our life that you can change. and, And if you do, they will have a cascading effect on other areas of your life. Google it up if you don't believe me, okay? Uh, Just do that. Uh, What are keystone habits? I looked this up. This was crazy. Flossing is a keystone habit. How many of y'all like to floss? You like to? You nuts. (laughs) Coming from a guy that hates to floss. You know? Flossing is one. Another one, making your bed. Physical fitness. The ability to spend less on your credit card. All of those things are keystone habits. And, and there's, there's a bunch more of them, okay? But uh, uh, those are very, very different things in different areas of our lives. But if you get up and you make your bed every morning, somehow it gives you a greater sense of discipline because you've already accomplished something before you even left your house. Tithing is another spiritual discipline that I think ought to be one of those keystone habits because when you are faithful to the Lord in tithing, it it goes into uh, other areas of your life because you're trusting God. When you make the decisions to to orient your heart towards God. You know, there are things that we choose uh, that if we get these things right, it'll be phenomenal for us. The word keystone itself refers to a part uh, of an arch that if you take it out, the whole arch is going to fall down. And you know, a lot of stones and and every stone in the arch is important, but uh, there's one stone, if you remove it, the whole thing is going to lose its integrity and stability. That's why we must put God first. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first. Seek God first. Choosing carefully. Choose carefully the goals that God would have for you to do. The second thing you must do is then you must spell it out specifically. You've identified, hopefully, where you want to be in five years from now, and now we're starting to go one step at a time to get there. But whatever uh, your one step is going to be in the coming days, spell it out specifically. Make a concrete plan. Don't use fuzzy language. You say, what is fuzzy language? Fuzzy language uh, uh, is kind of like, in my mind, it's the terms and conditions on some app that you just downloaded that you don't read. You just click, I accept. 
you know, uh, uh, or, or, or any type of legal speak because there's loopholes and there's conditions and there's all kinds of things like that. It's ridiculous. But when everything is real clear and real tight and, and you can see what the deal is, that's called bright lines. So when you're talking about specifying uh, your, um, your, your goals, use bright lines. As you spell out what's my next step going to be uh, uh, every day, that's going to get me to where God wants me to be. Use those bright lines. Um, what would be a fuzzy language? Well, what if your goal was, I'm going to eat better? Okay, better than who? I can always find someone that's going to eat worse than I do. Goal, sir, uh, goal completed. <laughs> no, uh, th that's not going to help. Uh, um, how will you ever know if you ever got there? That's a fuzzy line. Instead, spell it out. Let's say you have a problem with Doritos. You're addicted to Doritos. Okay? Uh, not the Cool Ranch. Not any, uh, the original nacho cheese Doritos. Okay? And you're like, you know what? This year, or uh, right now, I am going to step back from the Doritos. I'm not going to eat those things. I just get addicted to those things. I just can't eat them. My goal is I am not going to eat another Dorito this year. And we will know if you violated it because you'll have the evidence on your hands of the cheesy orange, right? That, that's a, that's a, a bright line. I think a fuzzy line would be, I'm not going to text while I'm driving. Well, you say, well, that seems pretty good. Well, how about, um, I think it's kind of fuzzy. Why? Because, well, I may not be texting, but I could email, I could check Facebook, I could check Instagram, I could do, you know, uh, um, do all these different things. That's kind of a fuzzy line. No, maybe a bright line would be, I'm not going to touch my phone while I'm driving. Anytime the car is on, I'm not touching it. You know, um, there's so many things, you know, that, that, that we can do that, that it applies to. So we need to, whatever goal we have, and I know these seems like silly goals, but whatever goal we have, we need to spell it out specifically. How do we know when we have accomplished that goal? How do we know that, that we're going to, uh, um, that, that we're, I don't want to use the word winning, but we're keeping score and we're doing okay on it? All right. The next reason is, is important for us, okay? The next word of caution, um, because let, let's be honest, we, we are so capable of endless self-deception. So what we need to do is we need to track it diligently. So if you're not, you're not just choosing carefully and spelling it out specifically, but you also track it diligently. Why? As one author said, if you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. Okay? Uh, we're all supposed to be going bowling on Friday. Imagine if we decided we're going to bowl, but there's going to be this big old sheet that's like halfway down that'll let your ball go through, but you can't see what pins you knock down. That might be kind of fun for a little bit until you're like, well, who's winning? Because I don't know about you, but I'm competitive. I want to know what's my score. I want to know that it's better than my wife's. I know. I won't have to worry about that. You know, I, I, I want to know that. Um, but <clears throat> why, why do we keep score? Because in my mind... We keep score because that's fun. You know who's winning and who's not. Uh, that's the first thing you ask when you see a game that's on and the score's not up. You walk in and say, hey, what's the score? Right? Score is what causes things to be interesting. So if you want to keep yourself interested in the change that you want, you have to keep score. Maybe your goal this year, God gave, you know, hopefully this is a God-given goal. You're like, you know what? This year, I'm going to witness to 12 people. 
That's one person a month. You know what? That is a fantastic goal. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But how do you know you're going to... Uh, um, have you spelled it out specifically? Well, is it, is it someone within the church or is it going to be someone outside of the church? What, what is your goal there? And then you can track it. Hey, you know what? In January, I did, you know, I was able to witness to this guy. And you keep track of it. You write it down. Because if you write it down, you're going to remember it. You're going to have this data. Um, we go into food, you know. You ever track your food? It's really kind of depressing when you realize how much food you actually eat, you know. And also to realize how many calories are in those things. Last night, uh, I, well, yes, well, yesterday we went grocery shopping because Friday night was snow. We didn't like that. And so we passed by, and for months I've been seeing um, Little Debbie Nutter, Nutty Bar ice cream. Anybody, you know what Nutty Bars are? You know what I'm talking about? Those things are the bomb. They're the best things. It's like, a, anyway, um, love those things. And so I'm like, I want to try that. And so uh, after dinner last night, Stephanie gets up to get herself some ice cream. I say, hey, would you get me that that I asked for? And she goes, yeah, that's fine. And so I come, uh, she brings it to me. She, she just brings me the container. It's one of those, it's not single serving, but let's be honest. And so I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to something, and uh, I'm not really paying attention to what I'm eating, how much I'm eating, and I end up, the next thing I know, I hear the spoon hit the bottom of the container. I'm like, oh, crud. Well, there's only three bites left. Might as well finish it. And so I finished it, and then I did the dumb thing of turning around and looking. How many calories did I just eat? 860 calories. It's ridiculous how quickly they add up. But when you start counting, you keep track of some of these things. It's amazing. You're going to look at that, and you're like, I don't want any of that. I'm not doing that again. Why? You write it down. You know, write it down when you work out. Write it down when you have quiet time. Write it down when you have uh, when you read your Bible. It actually causes you to keep score, and when you keep score, it's going to keep you interested longer. It's absolutely life changing when changing when you start keeping track of these small incremental steps that adds up to a life that God would want for you. So, track it. And then the fourth one, the last one. Once you've done all that, you've got to. Guard it aggressively. If you put these three things in place, and you're right on track, now guard it aggressively, meaning that you're going to fight to keep the small things continually adding up. Uh, here's what we've got. Here's what we're guarding: days that are linked together, because when they have not been interrupted, those days are not interrupted. You start to see progress towards your goal. And what would be better than having a five percent? Uh, um, I'm sorry. We would be much better having a 5% back on our investment for a lifetime as opposed to a 50% uh, comeback every 10 years. Right? It's slow and steady. We just want to keep, you know, I, I, today I've got my step. I'm going to keep it up. Today I did my push-up. Today uh, I read two pages and, and then, then I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day and I'm going to build on that. Um. You're aggressively linking days together. Um, y'all heard of Jerry Seinfeld? Never thought I would bring up Jerry Seinfeld in a, ma- in a message. But Jerry Seinfeld, when he first started out, uh, came up with something called the Seinfeld Method. It wasn't just him, but a year later they call it this. Apparently when, when he was starting out as a comedian, his goal was to write one good joke a day. 
And so he bought this calendar, put it up on his wall, and every time he had a good joke, he'd mark it off. And people kind of made fun of him. He's like, oh, one joke? How are you going to do a full set, you know, with only one joke? He goes, well, that's okay. It's just one joke, but I'm going to get one tomorrow. I'm going to get another one the next day. I'm going to get another one the next day. And then I'm going to be able to fill it up. And so he'd walk to, with the Sharpie and put an X on every day that he had a written, written a successful joke. And it was every day he did it. It was something small that he could keep track of. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more next week, about stringing our, our, our many, many days together. But basically, you're guarding aggressive momentum. As you see that pile up, it'll just give you more strength. So whatever you do, now this is, I made a mistake in the bulletin, so don't, I'm sorry. Uh, but forget the first couple of words in that last line. Because all it is is, don't skip twice. When you are guarding it aggressively, don't skip twice. Because let's be honest, uh, there's going to be a day when you're not going to be able to do it. You fell asleep or everything got crazy or you got sick or whatever happened. It's okay. You miss a day. But so the temptation is that you wake up the next day berating yourself, feeling, well, I'm such a failure. I can't do this. Might as well just give up. I'll try again next year. Better luck later. But instead, we should, be, we should just double down our efforts and start a new chain. And then don't miss twice. Another author uh, from a book called Superhuman by Habit calls this habit suicide. He says, missing once, hey, it's going to happen. But when you miss twice, it's habit suicide. It destroys the habit you're trying to create. Because now you're getting back to being an object at rest. And you remember how hard it was to get going Get that momentum going? It takes a lot more energy to disrupt the inertia that wants to keep you at rest. Now, this is what God is saying to the nation of Israel. Little by little. But don't stop fighting. Don't stop going because little by little, it's going to become a lot. It's going to be the whole nation. Um, the word by sometimes is used in multiplication, you know. Have you ever? I remember this growing up. I don't know if you all remember that or not. Um, but, you know, it, <clears throat> you know, two by four, four by four. I know that's, I'm talking lumber, but that's just what's on my mind. Um, but you multiply with the word by. And God says little by little, little by little. That's little times little, little times little, you know. What do we get when we multiply things together again and again and again? We get that compound interest that we were talking about. Let me end with this idea of uh, multiplying or doubling, okay? Here's a page of my notes, okay? My, my summary notes that I preach from. <clears throat> if, now, this is 20-pound paper, okay? And the thickness of this paper is .004 inches, all right? Now, if I fold this paper in half, how thick is it now? .008, right? Because now I've, I've doubled the layer. Now, let's say I double it again. Now what do I have? 0 0.016. Okay. If I do it again, 0 0.032. Okay. Do it one more time. 0 0.064. That's getting pretty small. If I do it another time, 
What's the next one? I just lost track. 60, okay, point one two four. Point one two zero. One two four. Yeah. One two eight. What? I, I was homeschooled. Leave me alone. <laughs> Besides the point that it's in my notes here, I just didn't couldn't find it. Okay, it, it, and I don't know about you, but point one two eight is an eighth of an inch. Okay. This looks like a whole lot thicker than that. You know, I guess if you took out all the air, you, it would be technically uh, an eighth of an inch. Now, I can't get much smaller than that. Um, but theoretically speaking, if I was able to fold one sheet of paper that is .004 inches, and I was able to fold it in on itself, doubling it ten times, it would be a little over four inches. That would be about the width of my hand. Okay. Theoretically speaking, because let's be honest, you're not going to be able to fold this that much more times. Theoretically speaking, well, there is a world record for someone folding it 12 times, folding a piece of paper in half 12 times. Uh, It's in the um, um, Guinness World Book of Records. Uh, She had to take a piece of paper that was 4,000 feet long, almost three-quarters of a mile long, for her to be able to fold it. Look it up. It's really kind of interesting. But anyway, theoretically speaking, if you could fold this in on itself 30 times... Do you know how, much, how big it would be? How wide it would be? Tall? Thick? 67 miles. You could reach space from the earth. If you could do it 42 times, you'd be to the moon. 51 times, you could be to the sun, which is 93 million miles away. Now, this is all theoretics, okay? We're just doubling on top of it, doubling on top of it, okay? If you were able to fold it 103 times... They say it would be the distance of 93 billion light years, which is like what they estimate the size of space. That's pretty crazy to think about that. But here's the thing. How did you get that far? You started at .004. And eventually, after time, as it built up on itself, it got bigger, it got thicker, it got, it was, it's, it's, it's amazing how the compound interest works. And here's the thing. The little things that we do here and there, it's okay. And you may not see much progress right now. But if you continue with it, there's going to be, you'll be able to get to some greatness, some amazing things. Why? Because little by little, eventually becomes a lot. Last thing, very last thing. Charles Spurgeon, he said this. He said, courage, my heart. Go on little by little, for many littles make a great whole. It doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take time. But if you continue on following the Lord, little step here, little step here, little step here, it's going to be a great whole. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the blessings you've given to us. Lord, we ask that you would challenge us from your word today to to start identifying what you would like us to be in five years, where we would like to be in five years. And Lord, I pray that you give us the courage. I pray that you give us the, uh, the faith to step out, to take that first step to do what you have called us to do, to do some of those things that would be life-altering, life-changing, and then by faith continue to step as you bless 
And as you work in our lives, and it may not seem like a whole lot initially, but eventually it'll change. Eventually there will be a great difference. As Charles Spurgeon said, eventually there will be a great whole. Lord, I thank you for the challenge today. I thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. I don't know what's uh, on your heart, what's on your mind, what God is speaking to you about, but uh, just give you an opportunity to respond to him. We're going to sing page 621, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will Thank you all for being here. Let's close in a word of prayer. Don't forget, we've got bowling this Friday. Um, If you need uh, directions or you need an address or anything, let me know. I'll get that to you. Um, And uh, let's let's close in prayer. Uh, I'm going to ask Jim Hopper if he would close our service in prayer, please.